Recording live from a room somewhere in Chicago. You're listening to Smallfish Radio Theater and Thespinarium. Approximately 20-minute variety hour. Yes, you correctly. In addition to our usual live format, now every Sunday we will bring you something special, new, and even better, short. Approximate because our sound editor is too lazy to make it exact. <clears throat> That's not true. She feels it's restrictive. Sharing in the fun. Joy Thorbjornson Coates. And reporting from the field, Miss Kitten. With special guests, Sharon Phillips, Eleanor Katz, and Mark Cater. It's time for Barnyard Classics. Pass the bourbon, strip the brains, barnyard classics, here's what we mean. We make the classics relatable and short, pull up a chair, have a snort. Barnyard Classics. Today on Barnyard Classics, Jane Eyre. Please welcome Eleanor Katz as Jane. Hey, how y'all doing out there? I'm Jane, and I'm going to tell y'all about my life. Because, well, for the most part, it were a load of crap. So, if you're feeling your life is miserable, you ain't seen nothing. It all starts out when I become an orphan, as an infant. That's right. And know what? I don't even know why. And worse than that, I'm a 19th century orphan, so there ain't no social services or foster homes, no siree. So I get carted off to my uncle and his wife and son, and let's just say, they make Norman Bates and his mama look like Mary and the baby Jesus. Anywho, they treat me like garbage every dang day. I finally get fed up and give them a piece of my mind. And what do they do? They lock me in a red room where our crazy old uncle died. Of course, Crazy Uncle shows up like a spirit and I freak out. So they ship me off to another place for orphans. Place is called Lowood School. Aside from the thrashings and my friend dying of typhus, this turned out well, for I got an education and became a teacher and ended up finding a position as a governess. This job as a governess turns out to be for a nice little girl named Dale who only speaks French, which I also speak. Adele's father, Mr. Rochester, shows up, and man, is he yummy. At this time, I do lament my skinny, plain appearance and odd demeanor. Still, because I'm smart, we strike up a friendship of sorts. Late one night, I hear a scream, and then I smell smoke. Oh, gosh darn it, if Mr. Rochester's room ain't all ablaze and I save his life. They tell me the fire and the scream were a drunken servant named Grace Poole, which I find kind of fishy. But I thank goodness for that fire because now he's really my friend, if you know what I mean. After he spends a little time teasing me with some biatch named Blanche Ingram and watching me get all upset and stuff, he asks me, plain little old oddball skinny me to marry him. Well, idiot that I am, I say yes. And dagnabbit if some fella don't show up at our wedding and say my man is already married to his sister. This is where Mr. R shows us all his crazy wife locked in the attic. So of course I run off, 
spend some time with relatives, almost marry my cousin. But one day out on the moor, I hear Mr. R calling me on the wind. Jane. Jane. So I run back to his house and find it burnt to the ground by the crazy lady and him blind. And then we got married and lived happily ever after. And I'd like to thank the former Mrs. R for jumping off that mansion. Because now, we got us a nice little boy, and our Mr. R can even see out of one eye. So next time you think you got it rough, think of old Jane Eyre and how things might turn out all right in the end. Barnyard Classics Today's program is brought to you by Regina's Jill Filled Recliner and Sofaware. Comfy clothing for the couch potato in you. Now with Stain Guard Fabric Protection at no extra cost. And now another episode of Light Shadows. We join the town witch Angelica as she and millionaire Playboy Dex plot to take down Ella. It's about time somebody did. God, I hate her. I will make Ella pay for branding me as a witch. You are a witch. Yeah, but you didn't have to go and tell everybody, oh. blabbermouth. Oh. But we'll expose her secrets at the winter ball. The whole town will be there to watch her burn. I mean that literally. I have this great fire spell. And? Yes, love. Could you help me? I've been bleeding profusely on this lawn for the last two episodes. Well, don't worry, Dex. I know lots of healing spells. Could you cast one, like, now? Sure thing. Let me use the bathroom first. Oh. <laughs> Meanwhile, across town, Ella arrives at the law office of Taylor White, because apparently she has to sink her claws into every man in town. Turns me down when I ask you to go for coffee, though. I don't know what the problem is. I'm a pretty nice guy, really. Taylor, I've left Dex. Now we can take all his money and run off to a tropical island. You really should make sure the person you're plotting with is in the room before you blurt out your plans, dear. Barney, what are you doing here? And I can ask you the same question. Planning to run off with Taylor behind my back, eh? You know I had to make Taylor believe I loved him so I could get Dex's money. Don't lie to me. I know you have feelings for each other, but those will die once you see Taylor's true colors. I have. His werewolf fur is kind of a deep, venacious gray. Mm, with some splotches of red from the blood of his victims. Human victims. Oh, no. Was tonight a full moon? It's always a full moon in this town. Taylor would have locked himself in his safe room. Not tonight. Tonight he wanted to use his beast farm to attack me. <gasps> Are you okay? He, he almost staked me. Oh, oh, my poor darling. You've been eating garlic bread. <laughs> it, was, it was just one little slice 
I can quit anytime I want. No, Ella. It's an addiction. And you need to decide what's more important. Buttery carbs or me. Well? Let me think about it. Meanwhile, in an unknown location across town, Taylor is transforming back to human with the help of a mysterious woman. Max, you're safe now. Oh no. Did I kill anybody in my wolf form? Only a minor character. Ella wouldn't want to run away to the tropics with a murderer. Ella will have more to worry about when I'm through with her. <laughs> um, who are you? Oh, you'll find out. You'll find out good. <laughs> and so will you, if you tune in next time for another chilling episode of... Hey. How do you get in here? Uh, brains. No. Uh, get away from me. Uh, get back. Brains. Today's program is brought to you by the Anti-Health Club. Come on down to not work out. Eat, drink, watch TV, and do nothing in the company of like-minded strangers. Or get the Anti-Health Club app and avoid wellness from the privacy of your own home. We'd say more, but that would expend energy. It's time for Middle-Aged Fantasy. You know you have them. We all have them, don't we, boys? Got that right. Mary is standing in her living room minding her own business when her phone rings. Hello? Hello, Mary. How are you today? Well, aside from the fact that I could use a facelift, a tummy tuck, a lottery win, a new car, and someone to clean my house in perpetuity, I'm fine. Who is this? What would you say if I could give you all that crap? I would say you're crazy. Yeah, so what? Well, who is this? Remember once a long time ago when you were a Girl Scout? You saved a kitten from a tree and broke your leg doing it? Yes. Well... Yes, I do. Mary, this is Mr. Johnson. That was my cat. And I'm about to... <coughs> die. Oh, I'm sorry. Then you're an idiot. No one is sorry about me dying. I'm a jerk! I'm sorry. Shut up! I have no family, no friends, because I'm pretty much a cranky person. That's why the cat was up the tree. He was running away from me. Everyone has run away from me all my life. Except you, Mary. You saved my cat. And for that, you'll inherit everything I own. So, just a heads up. When you get a check for $4 million, don't be surprised. And whatever you do, don't donate it to charity. Well, at least not all of it. But... Goodbye! And that, my friends, was this week's Middle-Aged Fantasy. Stop the presses!
it's time for Lottery of the Absurd. Lottery, lottery, lottery of the absurd. Today's numbers are chocolate. Second number, chartreuse. Third, isomalt. Four, orange. And our fifth and final number, day-old sponge cake. If you win, you get to do something with body paint and dessert in the privacy of your very own home. Welcome to Once Upon a Thespinarium, a weekly flash fairy tale to keep you dreaming. Today's story is about trolls. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Once upon a time, there was a fair but lonely maiden. Her beauty was, uh, I don't know, marginal. Her kindness also in her family line, not much to speak of. Still, she was marginally happy with her cat and her coloring books and her garden and cleaning her house. One day, on the way home from a particularly stressful day at her job cutting fabric at the local craft store, she heard music coming from inside a tattoo parlor. Despite her best efforts to walk past, she entered the incense-laden den of images and beads and odd music. She was greeted by a large burly man who said, You look lonely. I can help you. How? A damsel replied. Why, by giving you a companion for life. All you need is that tattoo. He pointed to a tattoo of a pirate. Well, she didn't know if it was the incense or the music or the promise of never being alone again. But before she could blink, she was walking out $40 lighter with a tattoo of a pirate on her right arm. The man had told her, Go home, drink this whiskey, and you'll feel like a new woman in the morning. So, she followed his directions and spent the night dreaming the wildest dreams of love on the high seas with handsome men and mermaids singing and seagulls flying and the wind in her hair and all sorts of other things one doesn't mention in fairy tales. And when she woke, next to her, like a full-grown, hulky, handsome pirate, bearing a remarkable resemblance to the one in her tattoo. She screamed. Oh, kind of. He put his hand to his lips, made a coffee, a few eggs, vacuumed the floor, and vanished in thin air. This happened every day for the rest of her life. And she lived happily ever after. <laughs> the moral of this story is, sometimes if you get a tattoo, someone will vacuum your floor and make you breakfast. This fairy tale was brought to you by a can of PBR. And that's all for this week's approximately 20-minute variety hour. Got a story to tell, a good joke, a bad poem, a hellacious haiku, a flash fairy tale? Head to our submissions page and find out how that special guest could be you. And thanks to our contributors, Tom Mizraka, Mark Cater, 
Katrina Kakasik, Michael John Kelly, and John Tomkew. This approximately 20-minute variety hour featured the talents of Mark Cater, Eleanor Katz, Sharon Phillips, Kat Dean, Michael Herzobi, Joy Thubjornson Coates, and Michael John Kelly, directing and sound design by Trina Kakasik. Special thanks to the White Crane Wellness Center for providing rehearsal and recording space. The Small Fish Radio Theater is produced by Michael John Kelly and Trina Kakasik. Thanks, thanks for, for listening! And now a closing limerick. There once was a radio show that had just about run out of dough. So a campaign they did start, hoping you all have the heart to give them some of yours. Cheerio. Feed the fish at smallfishradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>